In order to support our show, we need the help of some great advertisers. And we want to make sure those advertisers are ones that you'll actually want to hear about. But we need to learn a little bit more about you to make that possible. So go to podsurvey.com slash Florio and take a quick anonymous survey that will help us get to know you better. That way, we can bring on advertisers you won't want to skip. Once you've completed the quick survey, you can enter for a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card. Terms and conditions apply. Again, that's podsurvey.com slash Florio. F-L-O-R-I-O. Thanks for your help. I have to ask you. Aaron Rodgers, what you tell me? He's going to be here. That was Friday night at WFAN event. Boomer Esiason with the question for Jets GM Joe Douglas. Aaron Rodgers, i got to ask you. And Joe Douglas says he's going to be here. Now, I have seen some folks in the New York media that cover the Jets try to walk that back, possibly at the request of the Jets. Well, it was just a lighthearted event. Well, it was this. Well, it was that. Well, it was the GM of the team saying three words, four words. He's going to be here. Four words. So... There's no walking back from that. We all know he's going to be there. Of course he's going to be there. The only way he's not going to be there is if he decides to say, my intent is my intention. Right. My intention. Right. Another fun with words that start with I chapter from Aaron Rodgers, from immunized to intention. But he's not going to do that. He can't. He couldn't pull that off. He would be the most hated man in New York. He could never go to New York or New Jersey ever again in his entire life if he pulls that one. He couldn't. So uh, he's going to be there. And I think the trade, it dawned on me late last week. I think at this point, I think Miles Simmons and I were talking about it on Friday. I think the trade is going to happen when the pick that the Packers are acquiring in round two from the Jets is on the clock, just as the final safeguard for the Packers, because if you get that pick too early, then you're telling anybody drafting behind you, go ahead and try to leapfrog us. I think the deal is getting done. This is old school draft strategy. Never get a pick prematurely. If you can get the pick while it's on the clock, get the pick while it's on the clock, then you don't have to worry about anyone jumping you for the guy you're going to take. I think it happens Friday the 28th. During round two, when the Jets have back-to-back picks 42 and 43 because they have the the Browns' second-round pick from the Elijah Moore trade, I think that's when it's going to happen. Not a second before, not a second after. When the pick is on the clock that the Packers get round two this year, then they'll finalize whatever they get in 24, whatever the Jets get back in 25 if Aaron Rodgers only plays one year. Those are the two sticking points. They're going to get they, they're going to get it done. And Aaron Rodgers will be a Jet. And at this point, the only small, thin chance is Aaron Rodgers going back on what he said a month ago. And there's been nothing to suggest he's having second thoughts. If that was ever going to happen, at some point in the last four weeks, we would have heard something to suggest, ho, ho, not so fast. This has taken too long. You know, Aaron Rodgers was ready to go, but the Packers and the Jets can't get this worked out. Aaron may have second thoughts. There's been nothing to that effect, which tells me nothing is going to change it. He will be a Jet, probably, possibly, most likely on the 28th of April. Yeah, I I mean, I think it's inevitable. I do. I I, I don't think he took all that time prior to all this to figure out what he's going to do to then – you know, go back on it a few weeks later after he's let the cat out of the bag where his intent is to play. Like you said, I mean, it would be the most horrible self-inflicted PR move in the history of the NFL if he does do that, right? I mean, I think we all know there's just minor details getting done or figured out here. I will say, I don't know if I, like, I'm with you that it's going to happen around the draft. I don't know if it's going to happen that late. If I'm Green Bay, I don't don't know if I want them that late. I'd, I'd rather have the two picks so I know... Maybe I want to trade back up into the first round. I want to do. I want to be able to work them the way I want to work them. So that's where I would just maybe throw a little challenge to your your theory as far as if I'm the GM of Green Bay, I want those two picks in my hand in case I want to make moves to maybe get up late in the first round or do that. And they have more value that way instead of oh wait, it's my pick and now I have to pick right here. That would just be my two cents. I don't think your thought's crazy either. I'm just saying if I was Gutenkoos, I'd rather have them in my hand to play with them a little bit and have leverage on maybe other moves I'd like to make. 
I just know that the old school mindset, the old school football guy mindset, which I would assume Gutenkunst is more like that than the new age, what you're saying, you know, have all your pieces and be able to look at the chessboard, et cetera. I, 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 and I've heard this time and again over the years, if you're acquiring a pick, either trading up or trading in, never acquire it before the pick is on the clock. And we're getting this close to it. We're now 18 days away from the second day of the draft. The best time to do it is then. And now, now look, if you're drafting behind the Jets who have those back-to-back second-round picks and you're thinking, what are the? I, I think it's already sensible to wonder what the Packers would want there. Just assume the Packers are going to get one of those picks. What difference does it make? Yeah. That would be the argument against Wade. Right, right. But, the, but here's the, the reality is it's deadline-driven, and the deadline is when the pick is on the clock, and there's no reason – for either side to move toward their bottom line prematurely. They're going to both land the plane at the same time as to what their bottom line is and get a deal done. That's where that deadline, the clock ticking toward the exercise of that pick, forces them to do it then. Because if you do it too early, and there's been too much acrimony in this negotiation, if you move toward your bottom line too early, one side's going to try to pull the other one away from what their bottom line is. That's why the deadline works. Uh, so so we, we can... We can say with a very high degree of certainty, recognizing only the very small percentage chance that Aaron Rodgers plays fun with I words and reneges on his intention to play for the Jets. That's the only thing that's going to keep it from happening. It will get done. The Packers will trade him to the Jets at some point unless Aaron Rodgers changes his mind, which is highly unlikely. We don't get to see what may happen with OBJ. And hey, maybe Aaron Rodgers says, OBJ was on my wish list. You didn't get him. I've changed my intention. I'm kidding. But OBJ <laughs> clearly was on the wish list, not the demand list, the wish list from Odo Beckham Jr. And I don't know, maybe they were confident they were going to bring him in and work something out. D- does that really does that really undermine things in New York? Because I think it would have been a an even more crowded house than it currently is at the skill positions. They would I, have had to yeah. dump somebody if they had gotten OBJ. I, I'm, I, I'm, I don't disagree with your thought there, right? We kind of talked about this a few weeks ago where when we were talking about OBJ, I was going, man, I don't know. The Jets situation doesn't seem the best for him, right? I mean, just because there are some other weapons. Garrett Wilson's clearly the guy that they want to kind of form the passing offense around. Alan Lazard, you know, is going to have a real – spot there as well you know Corey Davis I think was the all, all, all everybody all thought that was the guy that might have been in trouble if OBJ was signed by the New York Jets but yeah I, you know I think ultimately OBJ's in a better spot for himself and yeah I'm not so sure this doesn't make things a little less complicated for the Jets and one less little area of drama for a team that is going to be under the microscope this year you know it's, it's Aaron Rodgers it's the Jets it's New York the Jets are really talented, as we've discussed last week. I mean, the roster is top-notch. They're kind of just missing the quarterback. That's it. That's why they've gone all in on this Aaron Rodgers thing. So, yeah, Mike, it's uh, I'm excited for it. I really am. It's going to be awesome up here in the area. The area is buzzing about it still. You know, Jets fans are getting antsy because it is Aaron Rodgers, and they're scared he might change his mind, right? But I think you're saying it right. At the end of the day, he's going to be here, and it's the perfect fit for for him and and for the Jets for what they need right now. And think about the depth chart in Baltimore and think about the depth chart with the Jets. Yeah. You got Garrett Wilson and Alan Lazard. OBJ's number three at best with the Jets. He's got the chance to be the number one guy right. as the Ravens right. receivers go. Compete with Rashad Bateman. Rashad yeah. Bateman is the next best option that they have as a number one receiver. So, And you're you're not paying him to be a number three receiver. You're not paying $15 million guaranteed with the opportunity to make $3 million more for the guy that is going to be buried on the depth chart. He's clearly one of your starters. He's clearly one of your best options. He's a guy you've made a massive investment in financially. You're going to use him now. Whether or not the ball is being thrown his way a sufficient number of times is a separate issue. But you've got to be on the field to even be in position to have the ball thrown your right, way. Right. He would have been WR3 with the New York Jets. So that's another... That's another factor that I think draws him to Baltimore versus New York. Yeah, I, I, I would agree. I think that, you know, there's a chance here where he can be the go-to guy to where they could get through training camp and, oh, wait, he looks great and has a good game or two to start the season, and they start to go, no, we're going to formulate a, more plays, more of the offense around his skill set, right? And I, I do. I think he's in a perfect spot here, let alone – 
you know, there's, like you said, there's no personality like that at the receiver position on their team right now. He can really bond and have a personal relationship with Lamar Jackson that way. So, yeah, I think it makes sense for him. The Jets, yes, were not desperate for his talents, like you said. They got receivers. They got pretty good running back, tight end play. They got it all there. You know, so I think it's best for both worlds in, in this department. And, uh, uh, I, you know, again, I, I didn't know if the OBJ thing was going to happen. Uh, and I wonder if, like, do you think the the Ravens got an inkling as far as what the Jets were going to pay him maybe? Or did they just say, forget it, we don't even want the Jets to have a chance to flirt with them, so we'll just overpay and end this conversation right now? I don't think they were competing with the Jets. I don't think they were anywhere yeah. in the same ballpark. I was hearing yesterday it was going to be a low base salary with very high upside right. depending upon contribution, playing time, et cetera. And again, the depth chart doesn't lie. They paid Alan Lazard a ton of money as a free agent. Yep. And Garrett Wilson had a great rookie season yep. and shows a ton of promise. Right. OBJ was going to potentially get lost in the shuffle in the New York offense. They got Brees Hall coming back. They love their running back room. Yep. There's only one football. OBJ, yeah, I'm playing with Aaron Rodgers, but so what if he's not throwing me the football, if I'm not on the field, if I'm only out there in three receiver sets and I'm not getting nearly the kind of reps and targets that – I deserve as OBJ. The Ravens are paying him like the guy that is going to be the guy in the passing game. And uh, I don't think it was even close uh, what the Jets were going to do. And, and again, no. we talked about the motivations and the arguments and uh, the, the, the Lamar Jackson magnet that OBJ may become. Right. But uh, to get this thing done the way they did it, they had to make a bold move. And they timed it just right because Beckham was going yeah. to see the Jets today and they just gave and, McCole you know, Hardman okay, well, a one-year deal too right am I wrong was it a two-year deal it was a one-year deal but I, the, so they've they're already gone down right I forgot about him yeah they've gone down yep. this line of already like hey we're giving the young potential or this guy the the money and the the one-year deal right it was a one-year deal so you know as far as McCole Hardman there that's another guy that complicates things and and is a similar skill set to OBJ as far as the weapon we talk about, right? Reverses, speed sweeps, all of that to where he would take away OBJ's touches in that department as well. Yeah, I think for the Jets, this was a luxury. This was a buy low. This is a bargain basement if we can get it. Right. Because no one else is offering him big money. Right. But it was just enough of an impetus to get the Ravens to do what they did to get it done. And, uh, again, this gets back to having an agent and not having an agent. Maybe the agent had something to do with setting this up just right, scheduling that visit to the Jets to get the Ravens to up their offer because, again, the report last week was the Ravens had made an offer. Gee, how did that get leaked? Do you think the Ravens leaked it or do you think the agent leaked it? So the agent gets it out there that the Ravens have made an offer and then, oh, OBJ is going to see the Jets and one day before he's going to see the Jets, the Ravens get the deal done. Again, having an agent doesn't just mean having someone who negotiates directly with the team the terms of the offer. It's having somebody who is the master of the broader game to get the offers to the point where they need to be. And it was either accidental or intentional. If it was intentional, bravo, OBJ's agent. You played it just right and got your guy up to $18 million with $15 million guaranteed, something no one thought OBJ was going to get. When we return, something no one other than Carson Palmer believes when it comes to who the best quarterback is in the <laughs> National Football funny. League. We'll do that when <laughs> PFG Live continues right after this. This was Friday. Travis Kelsey, the first pitch at the Cleveland Guardians game. Oh, my goodness. Just it a bit like outside. I thought he was, I th hey, first of all, this is what happens when you try to throw a baseball 200 miles an hour. That's exactly what happens. Just throw the ball. It doesn't have to be a split-finger fastball. You don't have to throw your shoulder out. Just throw the damn ball. And then when he ran down, I thought he ran down and hugged the catcher. I thought he's like, hey, I got to cover home plate because the guy from third is coming. And because that's what you see a pitcher do when he throws a wild pitch. Anyway, um, that, that's that was what a deflection of, oh my gosh, I'm embarrassed. Let me run. I, yeah, yeah. yeah. He could what, do I do? He wants. what do I do? Yeah, what do I do? How do I take the attention off the worst throw of the weekend in professional sports? He wasn't, he wasn't trying to throw it that hard. Damn, he's got no excuse for that one. He's going to have to eat at that and deal with it. And I love that everybody got on him, too. Um, 
Patrick Mahomes getting on him on Twitter a little hey. bit, asking for the Royals to give him another chance so he can redeem himself. Uh, Mahomes is great that way. That's that's why he's a great leader. That's for sure. Oh, Mahomes had a lot of fun with he it, did. and and it it is look. That's that's the thing about these first pitches. Nobody ever shows the highlight of a perfectly normal first pitch that get groove, <laughs> gets grooved right down the middle. That's not interesting. What's interesting is 50 Cent throwing the thing like out of the stadium or any type of craziness. <laughs> somebody throws it. There'll be the first pitch every once in a while that somebody throws and there's some dude standing back there with the camera and it hits him right in the crotch or something. I mean, those are the ones that are worth seeing. So there's a, it is a no-win proposition if you do it. And Travis Kelsey found a way to make it very interesting. By the way, by the way, on Friday when you were in your hammock drinking a pina colada and yeah. smoking a blunt, right. Miles Simmons and I were talking about mascots and we talked about the San Diego chicken. And I can't remember how it came up. Oh, it came up because we showed video of Tristan Wirfs doing a backflip into a pool. Oh, right. And the Buccaneer mascot was there like thumping his chest like he had done it. Like, why are you thumping your chest? You didn't do a backflip into the pool. So we started talking about mascots. And I have to mention that 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 abomination standing behind the catcher. And if I'm Travis Kelsey, that's who I blame it on. If we can show a still frame of that. This is Slider, the Cleveland Guardians mascot. Oh my god. That's a distraction. And and I'm looking at pictures of this thing. I, and look, I, I don't want to cuz I know that they probably put a lot of time and money into the design of this thing. I don't but this know. looks just like something some 5-year-old did. This looks like something a five-year-old did with construction paper and markers. That's a guardian. How dare you? They're guardians of the no, universe. No, it's Slider. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess. I don't know what Slider know. is. I don't know. What is, I don't, the, the whole thing is weird. I don't know. It's they a furry animal. They couldn't come up with a better name than the guardians there with, with you know, the new name change. I think that's, that's all questionable. I want to throw the challenge flag on all of it. Guardians. And, you know, like, I... Oh. You know, what's it got to do with the city of Cleveland? What are the, I don't know. Is there a Guardian story that I know of or don't know of? I don't know. But I, yeah. Not that I'm aware of. Right. It's underwhelming. Not that I'm aware Underwhelming of. mascot name by the uh, Cleveland franchise there. Well, overwhelming hot take from Carson Palmer last week on the QB Room podcast hosted by his brother, Jordan Palmer, on the question of whether or not Joe Burrow is a better NFL quarterback than Patrick Mahomes. Now, look, we all love Joe Burrow. We love Joe Burrow as much as anyone, but we recognize, I think we agree, Patrick Mahomes, a, a cut above everybody at this point, especially after what we saw him do last year. But Carson Palmer, different opinion. He's entitled to it. Let's have a listen. I think Joe's the best quarterback in the league. I like and it. I think I know pa Patrick is phenomenal. But, but I just think Joe's more consistent. He's more consistent. He's more accountable to run the system and the play that's called and not feel like, well, he didn't win last time and get open for me, so I'm going to do it with my feet. And then before you know it, you're soft for a four-yard loss because you tried to make two or three guys miss. Joe is just – they talk about not having a weakness. Mentally strong, physically tough, accurate, can throw it far enough fast enough gets the ball out quick and then he can actually do a lot with his legs he just rarely shows it and it's not i i think he's as athletic outside the pocket with you know and and can do a lot of the same things patrick mahomes has done he hasn't done it and showed it yet he's played more within his system and 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 style but i i think he's the best quarterback in the league now look Palmer's opinion, and this is what caught me yesterday when I looked at it, but Palmer's opinion relies heavily on the assumption that Patrick Mahomes is freelancing more than he should. The comment that, you know, when there's a guy who's yeah. who didn't get open before, so you're not going to trust him this time, right. so you're going to take off and run the ball instead of trust him to get open. How much of that is freelancing and how much of it is properly anticipating that today – your receiver on the outside who isn't Jamar Chase or T. Higgins isn't going to win the one-on-one -on -one matchup, so I have to plan accordingly before I, I stare him down because I know he's not getting open today. Yeah, There's a fine line there, there between is. freelancing and running the offense. Definitely, definitely. And you got to have you got to have a little freelance this day and age in the NFL unless you're on, like, the most perfect team there is and the pass protection is perfect and, okay, maybe you don't have to do that. But, you know, that's just not really the reality of the league right now in 2022, 2023, right? And I think you're, you know, hey, listen, we all know Mahomes has more of a, 
a inclination to freelance, especially early on in his career. All right. We know that. Yes. But we also know this is where I, I don't love this all the time. And, I, and, and Carson Palmer's not trying to blame anybody here or anything, too. But for whatever reason, Patrick Mahomes doesn't get, like, the credit he deserves. Or, like, I don't know, every year he throws, like, 40 touchdowns. And he's, like, in single-digit interceptions. And he makes a phenomenal decisions. And just because, you know, where I'd push back with Carson Palmer, and I understand what he's saying. He's, got, he's trying to say Joe Burrow plays the position more by the book. And that's what Carson Palmer likes. And okay, I get that. But this is where I, I have these arguments, and I have these even with ex-quarterbacks in the NFL. Just because he plays the way you like him to, and he plays it more by the book how you see it, does not make him better. I'm sorry. You know, it does not. The proof's in the pudding here. And Burrow's awesome. I mean, Burrow is arguably the second-best quarterback in football now, right? Maybe you could say he passed Josh Allen this year. He's the man, like you're saying. But I'm not ready to say... He's the best quarterback in football when we just saw a guy have one of the greatest years in the history of football at the quarterback position. He just won his second Super Bowl, his second Super Bowl MVP, and his second regular season MVP. Yes, Burrow by the book more, surgical maybe that way within the offense. I'm not going to say he's better than, than a guy that's really, really special in Patrick Mahomes right now. The one thing that impressed me this year about Burrow, the way he elevates his game in the postseason. Right. Now, some would look at that and say, well, he should play that way from week one through week 18. Why does he wait until the postseason? But there's something that comes over him in the postseason where it's a fearlessness. He doesn't back off. He doesn't get careful. He doesn't do the Aaron Rodgers thing that you and I have talked exactly. about for several years right. where you're hypersensitive to every potential mistake. He's going for the jugular every chance he can get, and he just elevates himself. And look, he had he had a chance to drive. There, there was a moment late in the AFC Championship game where it felt inevitable that the Bengals were going to yet again beat the Chiefs. And Chris Jones did a couple of Chris Jones things and shut down Joe Burrow. And then we had the hit on the sideline from Joseph Asai that put the Chiefs in field goal range. It felt like we were going to overtime. It felt like that thing was going to be decided in an extra session. That's how close it was. So it's not like the gap between the Bengals and Chiefs is all that great. And if anything, when they get together, Joe Burrow does have something special. But, but, and it just felt more like a football coach's take. Like, as a football coach, you want a guy who's going to run your offense, run my offense. And Joe Burrow is more within the buoys of the offense, and he's doing great things that way. Mahomes has to go beyond the offense to do great things. But so what? So what? That, exactly. He's going beyond the boundaries of the offense and doing great things. He's not running around and making a bunch of mistakes. Exactly. He's freelancing when he needs to, and he's doing great things when he does. Exactly. And he's leading the NFL in touchdowns, and he's leading the NFL in yards, and his completion percentage is barely less than Joe Burrow's, and he threw for almost 800 yards more. And he has only 21 more completions. So, and then he does not have Jamar Chase or T. Higgins or Tyler Boyd. So, again, Joe Burrow's the man. But, like, I think what we're saying here, Mahomes is, like, already in a special room in the Hall of Fame. Like we were talking about, he's in the Deion Sanders room already. For me, he's there already. He's already in the special room within the special room of the Hall of Fame. So, like, again, I love Joe Burrow, but, yeah, I'm not going to go as far as Carson Palmer is. I, I think just because he doesn't play it by the book the way, he, you know, he's talking about there does not make him better. It does not. Mahomes does not get enough credit for, like you're saying, all the great decisions and things he does at the next level at times and uh, playing the position the right way. I don't. I think he's disrespected that way at times, uh, and he's the best quarterback in the game for my money right now. I think Patrick Mahomes is the closest thing the NFL has seen to Michael Jordan, a guy who comes in and changes the way we think about the position, changes the way that kids play the position. Joe Burrow isn't changing the way anyone's playing about it. He's playing the quarterback position as well as anyone ever has within the strict boundaries of what we expect quarterbacks to do. Mahomes has defied the things that we expect quarterbacks to do. He moves in a way they don't. He throws the ball in a way they don't. He's revolutionized the quarterback position the way Michael Jordan revolutionized basketball. 
unlocking a new universe of things you can do with your body. So all the kids out there, we've been saying this for years, all the kids out there, watch what Patrick Mahomes does, just like in the 80s. Yeah. They watched the things Michael Jordan did, and they said, we're going to go try these things, right. and some of us can do it, and most of us can't. But the ones who can are unlocking this new potential. That's why I can't wait to see this generation of kids now how many of them have the skill set, have the ability they wouldn't have known that they had if they didn't see Patrick Mahomes doing it? The stuff that your kid does that drives you crazy. Exactly. There's going to be kids out there that do that stuff and they do it well, like Mahomes does. And we're going to have multiple Patrick Mahomeses in the future years of watching football. At least, yeah. at least I hope. At least, at least I hope that this talent he has isn't so freakishly rare that no one else is going to have. Yeah, he's a jump ball. He's a guy that's ahead of his time, right? I mean, is is is. He just is for all the reasons you just said. And, yeah, he's going to raise the level of play at that position throughout because, yeah, kids are going to, oh, let me try throwing it like this. Let me do that. Oh, let me do this escape move. I've seen all Mahomes do it. It's only going to make the better. We're already seeing it. The guy that's going to be one of the top two picks next year in the draft, Caleb Williams at USC, he plays like like a Mahomes. It, that's it's it's just like oh you know we used to look at like ten years ago and man go man thirty footers people are shooting thirty footers in the NBA and that's crazy and then all of a sudden Steph Curry came and like did it in his sleep and now everyone's like hey thirty footers are good for the NBA everybody shoot them that's what like Patrick Mahomes is doing for the NFL you're right he's a poster child for a number of unbelievable things and. He came in the league and won the MVP his first year playing with 50 touchdown passes. It's He's a special, special person. Burrow is too. I'm just not ready to say he's better than Patrick Mahomes right now. Not after that year. Not after taking his team to the Super Bowl. Beating a team that's better than his team in the Super Bowl while you're not 100% healthy. I'm definitely not going there right now uh, in that discussion. Yeah, two Super Bowl MVPs, two regular season MVPs. And they did it the hard way both times, behind in the second half, both games, came back, and it's Mahomes. It's exactly what we saw coming two months ago as we were getting ready for the Super Bowl. The Eagles are the better team, but the Chiefs have Mahomes. And he has proven he can erase the difference between the talent gap from, from the Eagles to the Chiefs or the 49ers to the Chiefs or whoever they face the next time they go to the Super Bowl. Right. And the Chiefs. Mahomes is good enough to overcome it. And I think Burrow is too, but you got to win a Super Bowl. Of all these other guys out there, and Chris, I think we've both come to a loose consensus as to who the franchise quarterbacks are right now. It changes all the time, but right now, Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, Trevor Lawrence. Six of them. And the other five who aren't Patrick Mahomes are at a lower level until one of them gets a ring. you got to get a ring. Or a regular season MVP trophy to catch, to even begin to get in the conversation on tier one. You know, you're doing your tiers with your draft picks. If we're doing tiers with the the franchise quarterbacks, tier one is Mahomes, tier two is Burrow and Allen, tier three is Hertz and Herbert. Herbert. Right. Trevor and Lawrence. Lawrence and maybe is that fair? Right, yeah. And I Hertz is close to tier two. Yeah. Hertz is kind of between two and three. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd be ready to put him there, but I think you're you know you're on the right track there. You're you're close, and Lamar. I'm certainly gonna throw Lamar close into that conversation he's, too. He's he's on the fringe. He's got oh. yeah. He's got he got to get a contract, and he's got to stay he's healthy. Be healthy. For the full That's season. right. That's the biggest yeah, thing. I mean, yeah. Fair or not, fair or not, you get injured in December and you don't show up for the rest of the year. That 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 it, it hurts you. How, how can how can yeah. you go make your legacy in January if you're not playing in January? Exactly. So right. that's fair. That that it, it it hurts it hurts your qualification for shortlist franchise quarterback. All right, let's uh, take a break. A guy who's vying to be a shortlist franchise quarterback again, Deshaun Watson. His legal issues back on the front burner today. We'll talk about that when PFT Live continues right after this. For the world's greatest athletes. This is the showdown we've been waiting for. There is nothing like competing on the world's biggest stage. It's a world record again! Go for the United States! Unbelievable! And when that stage is Paris, anything can happen. I have never seen anything like this! How about that? An Olympics unlike any other. Olympics this summer on NBC and streaming on Peacock. 
Deshaun Watson had more than 20 civil lawsuits filed against him starting March 17 of 2021, each of which alleged sexual misconduct during massage therapy sessions. Most have been settled. Two remain. The Associated Press reported over the weekend that today Deshaun Watson will be questioned under oath. They call it a deposition in a case that was filed October of 2022. That's the most recent one. Now, the good news for Watson, if he did stop doing Whatever he was allegedly doing during the massage therapy sessions the first time he got sued, we're probably past the point of any more lawsuits being filed because it's been more than two years and the statute of limitations in most jurisdictions for this kind of thing is two years. But still, he's got two left. Two lawsuits remain. And Chris, if I were him, I would just get these things resolved like he did with the other ones. And maybe it's not easy. The one holdout from the prior wave of lawsuits wasn't happy with his refusal to take full responsibility for what he had done. And even when he did settle, there was equivocation on whether or not he was admitting to anything. But I would do whatever I had to do to put this behind me. The NFL suspension is over. He's trying to move forward with his career. We were talking about franchise quarterbacks last segment. Not long ago, he was one of the shortlist franchise quarterbacks in the NFL. As he tries to get back there and get the most out of that major contract he got with the Browns, I just think it makes every bit of sense to find a way to resolve these civil cases and close this chapter of his life for good. I would agree with that. I would. Now, I mean, I know we don't know all the details of those kind of things, but certainly that would be what I'd be shooting for if I was in Deshaun Watson's camp. Uh, We we finally, you know, have gotten to the point where I feel like, you know, as fans of the NFL – Whatever, we've turned the page a little bit. There's been a little bit of like, hey, forgiveness, okay. You know, he's he had to deal with issues and he's done that and let's kind of all move on with life. And this kind of just opens it all up again. And, and it stinks for him. It just stinks for the Browns where you're going, oh, okay, finally they get out of the woods of distraction and dealing with all this stuff too. And now it's right back, you know, as far as one of the main stories in the sport. So, yeah, I'm with you, Mike, there. I don't, I don't know how that goes about or how fastly that can go down to where he can make the payment and and be done with this or you know is this something that's going to drag on a little mike in the the public eye and we're just it's inevitable for a few weeks i wrestle with whether it's forgiveness or fatigue there's only so much we well, can deal that's with right. one story right. before something else ex- sure. invades our radar screen and attracts our attention How much can you talk about it? How many more developments can there be? But my point is this. The longer these cases linger, there's a chance they move back onto the front burner. I mean, if there's a trial at some point, that becomes something that we are forced to pay attention to. Because there are plenty of people that aren't going to forgive. There are plenty of people who aren't going to forget. There's just no Nothing more that anyone can do about it. No criminal investigations. That ended a year ago. The NFL imposed their punishment last year. It's just kind of over. And again, it's fatigue more than anything else. But having lingering cases suggests that at some point, no matter how much fatigue we have on the story and we feel like there's nothing new to be said, if there's a trial, there'll be plenty of new things to be said, especially if there's a verdict. And the NFL has said that they're monitoring the developments in these pending cases, there will be an argument, there will be a fight if there's any further effort to discipline right. him because the yeah. argument would be that they they reached it, a right? settlement last year yeah. for everything. Nothing's never, Unless it's happened since that settlement, it's over, it's done with. But it just, it just makes sense for everyone if we can get to the point where he can find a way to put it behind him and everyone can move on. It, it dominated the NFL for more than a year, and now it feels like it's over. But the point is, it's not. Two pending cases, and we'll see where it goes. Let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, could the Buffalo Bills be plotting a move up in round one of the draft that starts just 17 days from now? We'll have that when PFT Live continues right after this. It's something we were talking about during a break. Jordan Palmer and Carson Palmer look exactly alike with one major difference chris it's the before and after photo after busting open a box of just for men for your beard and 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 look i hey whatever floats your boat whatever you want to do but if you're jordan palmer and you clearly he's got the full-blown gi joe beard i mean there's i don't know how old he is in comparison to carson but when you have him side by side like that 
But when you have them side by side like that, and Carson's got the gray on the chin, I mean, and again, and again, hey, if, if you if you don't like a little gray in your beard, and you choose not to go with the easy option of just shaving your face, I mean, look, my I, I got if I would if I would grow out my beard, it would be Santa Claus time. So I shave every day. So. I just, uh, that's the Ryan Day well, look. We have to get to this. You know, I don't, I'm not ready to accuse him yet of uh, the dying the beard. I'm not ready to go there. He's, I don't know. He's five years younger. Rich. So we should ask him. We could we could get a legit answer here. Uh, we could. I mean, Carson's my age. We came out in the draft. So he's right around 42, if not a little older than that. Uh, so he's 43 already, I'm being told in my ear. Uh, you know, I don't know. My beard, and if I, not that I Jordan's can grow a 38. beard. 38. I, I don't know if I had a lot of grays think- in there, so I'm not ready to go that way yet. But, Dan, this is a guy that we see every year at the Super Bowl, and he always says, man, I tell all my guys I work with, you got to go to pro football talk, and here you go. He just crapping all over him. Happy Easter Monday. Just trying Monday. to help him out. <laughs> hey, Jordan, 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 just look, but look, Carson looks fine with gray. He doesn't look. I old. agree. He looks I agree. I like the He grades. looks good. Right. You don't. You don't need to do it. And I mentioned Ryan Day. Ryan Day's got the most ridiculous black, dyed yeah. black shoe <laughs> polish beard in all of sports. Like, dude. And and I'd I'd like to I'd like to think that self awareness is something that isn't as rare as it seems to be. But nothing screams out lack of self awareness than than dipping your face in a vat of black paint. Um. So anyway. That's just that's my opinion. The, and, and I'm sorry, we've squandered our Just for Men Beard Edition sponsorship. But uh, it, it, my point is, Carson looks fine. It looks fine if you have a little gray in your beard. Aaron Rodgers has it. I got to give him credit. He's got some gray in his beard. He didn't dye it black. He's got the self-awareness to know that it would look ridiculous or not ridiculous, but it would look obvious. So he just he's fine with it. He's got he's got the self-assuredness to have a little gray in his beard. And how the hell would you even know if your hair would turn gray? Your hair's so white as it is, no one's even going to know if you have gray hair. Well, I know, but I can see it. I can tell. I mean, I can see it. I can see it even if we zoomed in here. I got some grays in there. I didn't have those like five, six years ago. But, yes, it is one of the good things about being blonde is that there's plenty of grays through here on the side too, but the blonde hair does help to – kind of blend them in a little bit better. So uh, I'm not mad at and that. And when you shave it on the sides, too, it's hard to see them. Yes, exactly right. When they're shaved right. off, exactly you can't right. see Exactly right, right. See? Yeah, so you should Does do that. Phil dye his hair? Size. Yeah. Does Phil dye his hair? Never. Does Phil dye his hair? No way. No way. No. Phil would never dye his hair. Phil is, Phil's got a lot of gray in his hair. It's way grayer than you think, especially if you saw it in person. So if he dyes his so hair, So is mine. So yeah, it's grayer hey, in person. Exactly right. You're right. I don't know. I don't know what they did with these lights here, but uh, trust me, folks. I, I got a sea of gray, and for some reason, this is the one spot where it's not obvious. I walk out the door, and it's. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody who's got a. It's worse than George Clooney's salt and pepper. It's more salt than pepper at this point. I don't care. I don't care. But I, I wish I could carry these lights around with me everywhere. <laughs> yeah, great, great. Well, you can't though, so don't worry. When they see you in person, just like I usually am, it's disappointing. They go, you go, oh damn, he's older and has more gray hair than I thought. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> All right, uh, let's move on. You got a little itch there. Bills, a little itch there. I'm sorry, but let's move on. The Buffalo Bills, according to Matt Miller, draft insider at ESPN, he's hearing, and this is the time of year where the draft experts become quasi reporters, and it makes me. A little nervous because you just wonder are they being manipulated are they being used whatever and it's not just him it's others as well but let's just look for discussion purposes buffalo bills reportedly yeah. have their eyes on moving up in round one and it doesn't surprise me look if they're feeling heat if they're feeling pressure to get some help for josh allen to make the team better and you're starting to wonder, are we going to be here next year? And I, I'm sorry, I, it may make some folks nervous up there to have that articulated, but let's understand the industry that we're in. And we see it every year. Coaches get fired every year. GMs get fired every year. And one of the worst things you can do is be close but not close the deal. And you've got a franchise quarterback in Josh Allen. If you're thinking there's a chance we may not be here next year, why wouldn't you mortgage the future to make yourself better now? Well, yeah, I, I hear you there. And, and you know, as we've discussed a lot towards the end of the season and to now is they need some 
sizzle, splash, you know, type of players, right, Mike? We, we, we had those conversations a lot towards the end of the year, just that, yeah, some of their big-time players don't measure up with some of the other big-time players that were in the Final Four of the AFC-NFC Championship game. So, yeah, they might need to make a move to get one of those type of guys. And, you, know, you know, Matt Miller, I got great respect for him. I worked with him a little bit at Bleacher Report, right? He does know some people around football, but your point's real, too. It is Mrs. Marie, in, misinformation time, and teams do use people. But sitting at 27, right? And let's just say they wanted a receiver, right? I don't know. 27's risky for one of the for sure things. For me, like the for sure things at the receiver position are the Zay Flowers from Boston College, the Jackson Smith and Jigba from Ohio State, and Quentin Johnson from TCU. They're not going to be on the board at 27. So if they want a receiver, they're going to have to move up. Jalen Hyatt might be on the board there, Mike. But Jalen Hyatt, the kid from Tennessee, he might not be everybody's cup of tea. He's kind of a straight liner, just fast. He's kind of thin. He's not going to break tackles and do all that. So he he might not be what they're looking for. The other guys are a little bit more for sure well-rounded receivers. And, yeah, at 27, I don't think any of those three that I mentioned are going to be there. And it's not just about finding a compliment to Stephon Diggs because we thought Gabe Davis was on the verge of becoming that guy after his four touchdown catches in the playoff game in 2021. He was a disappointment last year. When you have a Stephon Diggs that is drawing extra attention, it's a great opportunity for the number two to become basically a 1B, not just a number two, and it didn't happen. But I think the Bills need to be thinking about life without Stephon Diggs. I don't know how much longer he's going to be there. Every once in a while, there's still this this simmering of Stephon Diggs possibly. And we saw it at the end of the playoff game against yeah, the sure. Bengals. Right. We, and and I, saw, I hadn't had a chance to, to really track this down. It's one of the things I've been meaning to look at. But somebody said that, he, that Diggs took all the Bills logos off his Instagram page not that long ago. And we know that guys use social media to send messages. I just think the Bills need to be developing another number one and it'd be great to have Diggs and future number one together but within the next two or three years that guy that they would take now is going to be the number one I think I don't know how many more years Diggs is going to have in Buffalo and he's already been around almost 10 years in the NFL I think this is his 10th season I think it was a I think it was a fourth or fifth round pick in 2014 I think maybe 2015 but he's getting close to 10 years in the NFL so they need to be thinking about their future number one guy to pair with Josh Allen yeah, yeah, agreed. I think it can do both, right? The future, add you know depth and talent to the team right now. You know, I, the other thought out there, Mike, is running back. Would they do that? I don't know. You know, they did draft James Cook in the second round last year, but are they looking to move up and get a Bijan Bijan Robinson from Texas or even Jameer Gibbs from Alabama? I don't think that would be the case. I think receiver is the the position I'd be looking at if I was Brandon Bean in the Bills and you're looking to trade up at 27 but regardless it's interesting and I think as you're saying and I'm saying it, it's not crazy it, it's there's a part of me when I saw this you know I went eh, I, I would think they're a little worried about being at 27 and do we have a big time difference maker in the pass game or in the offense in general that'll be available for us there yeah, they're kind of on the cusp or on the borderline there, and I, I could see them wanting to make that move, Mike. Stephon Diggs was a fifth-round pick in 2015. He turns 30 November 29. And, man, it's just like, where's the time go? Oh, it's flying. For, the, for these NFL careers, they go from 22 to 30 like that. And we love Stephon Diggs, and we hope he stays in Buffalo for years to come, but they have to be planning not just this year, not just next year, but beyond, and they need to have a number one option for Josh Allen well into the future. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, uh, today's draft, looking at current players that we think could play both ways in today's NFL. We'll do that when PFG Live continues right after this. Here's Tyree Kill at a Miami football camp. He cooked Tyreek to win a hoodie. Watch Tyreek bite on the double move, and I think he exaggerated a little bit. He wanted to give the kid a moment. Look how happy the kids were. One of them burned the cheetah. 
But look at the step. He, he kind of, I think he, I th- look, I, I respect Tyreek Hill for doing it. Let the kid have his moment. He burned Tyreek Hill. And I think if Tyreek Hill was playing defensive back, we wouldn't see him fall for that one. He's got the agility and the recovery speed, I think, to keep it close. So right. anyway, why, why would he ever bite on anything, right? He's always got the speed to recover. So why does he, he shouldn't have that's to true. overplay the double move. But yeah, it's uh, exactly. It's good to see him out there and but, being good. To but the let, kids the, let the kids have yeah. some fun. Right. Let the kids have some fun. Um, right. So anyway, uh, let's us have some fun. It inspires today's draft. Current NFL players who could go both ways, offense, defense, defense, offense. We saw Deion Sanders do it before. We may even have some footage of Deion Sanders playing receiver with the Dallas Cowboys. Who was really better than him? Catches. Like uh, doing both ways. Oh, absolutely. Like, right? I mean, this is, come on. I mean, this was amazing. Deion Sanders at receiver running go routes, post routes, right? I mean, he's to me is the one that was like the most legitimately did it more than anybody I can remember. Mike, is there anybody else on the radar comparable to Dion doing both ways but, like this? Did, but, but wait, but wait, he's doing the high step in the guy's face as he's getting ready to tackle it. We <laughs> talked about the taunts last week. Like, usually it's the high step when you're gone. He's high-stepping a guy that he knows is going to tackle him, and he's still high-stepped him. you got to respect that. I remember the last guy that played both ways. Was it Roy Green? DB and receiver for the St. Louis Cardinals. You might right? be right. I think True you're right. Two-way player. Right. Roy Green. Could okay. Be wrong. Could be right. I think you're right about that. It's uh, I I you know I, I of course I'm in, into the history of the NFL, and I'm feeling like I'm choking here on a Monday morning. But I do think you're right. It's Roy Green, and I feel like are we missing somebody else that we maybe uh. Did both ways a little bit. I, I guess that's really it. But Deion Sanders there for, you know, a time became like a legitimate. I mean, caught a post route in the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 30, right, against the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, he was really like a thing. I remember going to a Giants-Cowboys Monday night game and Jason Garrett was quarterback. Troy was hurt that game. And Deion catching some passes in that football game. So it just speaks to, again, Deion and his point. He's in a special room in the Hall of Fame, and that's where he should be. The Patriots had multiple guys. That Troy they Brown would use was doing it. Defensive back, right, right? Who were receivers? Troy Brown, Julian Edelman. Although I still have this recollection of Edelman just getting repeatedly abused by Anquan Bolden in a game against the Ravens once that caused them to abandon that experiment. But that was something that Bill Belichick would do from time to time. Um, Devin Hester was technically a two-way player, even though he never played much offense or defense. He broke into the NFL as a defensive back. They moved him to receiver. It never took because, in part, I think they never bothered to design plays that would allow him to simulate what he does in the broken field with a kick or a punt return. But he was technically a two-way player, even though he wasn't playing two ways at the same time. Again, he never did much by way of playing on offense or defense. Uh, We saw some J.J. Watt play some tight end yeah. the year that he was an MVP candidate. And I think for a defensive player, if you can get yourself onto the field and play some offense, that raises your star as an MVP. Remember what it did for the refrigerator back right. in 1985 sure. yeah. to play a little offense? Right. But, but you know, there's been plenty of guys who have dabbled. Mike Vrabel has yeah. dabbled. There just haven't been many guys in recent years that were true both ways. No. So, anyway, we got to no. get to the draft. Let's do it. Who are the guys now? Who are the guys now? that you would like to see play offense and defense. Chris, well, go ahead. I'm going to go to the Cowboys and a guy that, you know, is playing two positions on defense already, and I just go, well, he can play offense too. Micah Parsons, what? I'd love to see him play some running back in the NFL. Let Micah carry the ball. I mean, it, you know, Michael's, Micah Parsons is just such a freak explosive athlete that, yeah, he's got the explosiveness and the ability to make people miss of – you know, an NFL running back that way. So he'd be a guy that j- jumps to my mind right away, Mike. Well, you know, the first guy I thought of, I just think of the absolute total freak athletes who are unstoppable yeah. at what they do. Right. I think it's translatable to the other side of the ball. When you are just a freak of nature, force of nature, you you just barrel through anyone who's around you. Why not make Aaron Donald a fullback? Could you imagine <laughs> yeah. Aaron Donald in short yardage? Sure. I mean, who could tackle him? He just yeah, we, we, we have this quarterback push play. Put him under center and let him be the guy who takes the ball. Is anybody going to get Aaron Donald down on the ground? The guy is a madman, and we mean that in a good way, when the ball is snapped and when it's time to go. He just 
obliterates everyone. So Aaron Donald for me. Who else? You yeah. Got? All right. I'm going to go to a, a defensive lineman too. I'm going to go to uh, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett, like tight end. You see what Miles Garrett does on the basketball court. He's got incredible skills, dribbling the ball, got a nice little jump shot, can dunk. You're telling me he can't give me two, three catches a game at tight end? I have Miles Garrett for sure in that category, like you just mentioned. Last one for me before we take a break. And when you went Cowboys, I thought you were taking the guy I was thinking of. How about Trayvon Diggs? I mean, yeah. his ball skills yeah. are his primary drawing right. card a as a one. defensive back. Yeah. He goes and gets the ball, right. put him on offense, and let him do some Deion Sanders. All right, let's take a break. We'll have one more pick each when PFT Live continues right after this. All right, one more selection each. The current NFL players we would like to see play both ways, inspired by Tyree Kill playing a little defensive back and and biting a little aggressively on the double move to give the kid a touchdown at the youth football camp. Chris, who else do you have? Well, I, I mean, Tyreek is one that jumps out, but since he's like the reason we're doing this, I won't do that. I, I'm going to go a little bit with a, a thought that, you know, I give you credit for your Trayvon Diggs thing, uh, and I did not have him on my list, but I had something similar. And the Tariq Woolen up in Seattle. I mean, the way he can run, how long he is, I just think, man, we can't we just figure out a way to throw him a go route or a post route? You know, once or twice a game, let him take the top off the defense for DK Metcalf and company. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing him open up and, and see if he can go get the ball deep from Geno Smith. I, the last one for me, and this is more joke than serious, but – when you consider how big Josh Allen oh, is. Oh, I thought about this. Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine making him not just a linebacker, make him a pass rusher? <laughs> could you imagine him coming around the edge and getting after a quarterback or just being in the, the, the middle? Yeah, again, you have to put some weight on him, but we've seen that he's willing to deliver punishments. One of the talking it points is. for the Bills now. Right. How do we protect this guy against himself because he doesn't get down, he doesn't get out of bounds. At some point, he's going to get himself injured. Yeah, no, I, I, I wrote it down, Mike. I did write Josh Allen linebacker. I was thinking the same thing. He's capable. He's 245, and he's watching what he eats. So he could definitely do it. He would be a force of nature, but I think he'll play a little longer at the quarterback yeah, position. So. That's it for today. Thanks for some of your time. See you tomorrow. See ya.